All right, and welcome to our special podcast miniseries. Uh, my name is Anthony Verna. We're here with the Nessa Group. Uh, Jim Huerta, you're one of the principals of the Nessa Group. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Jim Huerta. I've been with the Nessa Group for about 10 years when we started the company. Um, not much to say other than that is that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we hopefully have provided a new avenue for people who are looking for help and starting new businesses. Wonderful. And Barry, you're one of the other uh, principals of the Nessa Group. So go ahead and say hello. Hello, it's a delight to be here, and we have some information that we'd like to um, mention to you to see if it would help you, and we're very excited about this. Great. And also with us is the uh, patent agent of the Nessa Group, Will Jakes. How's it going, Will? Uh, everything's going fine. It's a pleasure to be here, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, share some information that'll be helpful to people. I know that we will. Justin is a part of the brand consulting side of the Nessa Group. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing very well, Anthony. Thank you. Oh. I think it's going to be qu quite fun to uh, share with you how we kind of tackle the jungle of small businesses and startups, leading them to success today. Oh, I like that analogy. It's a jungle out there for small businesses and startups. And a group like the Nessa Group is meant to help those businesses find, uh, find success, find goals. Jim, one of the things you've told me in the past is that starting and running a business is, is an, the ultimate team sport, um, unlike your giants. I'm very sorry oh, about God, that. Oh, God, please. I'm very sorry <laughs> about that. But talk to me a little bit about that ultimate team sport about starting and running a business. Well, I, I, I look at it, uh, I mean, I've been uh, certainly a, a, a jock all my life, and I look at it of success in my career, whether it be in sports or in business, has been because there were teams who understood their plan, who knew how to execute those plans and stay on top of what they were doing. And, and I think a lot of failures that are caused, and the Giants are a good example, there's a team has a, a playbook, they're just not executing, and they're not having the leadership that they need to really become a powerhouse in what they're trying to accomplish. So I do believe that business is a sport, and if played well, it could be very successful. Barry, what are you looking to do as a consultant for the small business? What's your goal for that business? My goal is to save them for their own folly in starting up a business by not really knowing what they want to do. Most of the time says, let's start a business. And um, by the way, what is the business that we're going to start? They don't make definitive questions that have to be answered. They go, they get their best pal, bring them on, because they know him, and he's a dud, and he hurts the whole company that they're starting up. They don't plan ahead philosophically. They don't have money, which is hard to run a business when you don't have any money. Oh, don't we all know that? <laughs> yes. And, but they do it worse. You know, most of them fail. The statistic is that 2 to 3% of startup companies succeed. The rest of them go down the drain. Justin, how can a group like this be uh, help a small business be realistic mm -hmm. about expectations? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, uh, both Jim and Barry touched upon, is that there's a lot of considerations that a small business must, must understand and make in a short period of time because the two biggest limitations is time and money. 
Um, and, and you need to understand how to utilize your budget to achieve certain goals. And those goals go across strategy, revenue production, cost efficiencies, and of course, team build out. Um, and going back to my, my jungle analogy, you know, you wouldn't go on a safari without a guide. And we look to be your guide to kind of leading you down this path and helping you realize your milestones, whether that is capital funding, revenue production, entering new verticals, et cetera. I, I like going on safaris without guides. I mean, how else are you going to deal with the wild and all of the animals? And oh, oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I won't exactly. be joining you on that trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you're the, the, the patent agent of the group, and, and I help on the trademark branding protection side of, of this particular group. Let's... Um, Talk a little bit about what happens if a brand new invention is never protected by patent. Well, certainly you kind of invite the competition, <laughs> you know, to kind of jump into your space. And if that competition has other assets or other resources that, let's say, they outspend you in terms of advertising, let's say they have uh, a bigger team of people to get to the, the target market, well, you're going to, you know, be fighting an uphill battle. So you're going to be losing. So the, the whole idea uh, of, uh, say, IP protection, be it trade secrets, trademarks, patents, what have you, uh, is that those things are supposed to provide you some sort of leverage, you know, in terms of keeping your competition at bay. But there is one caveat, and I always tell people it is a capital asset, but it is not the business. The business is the business, and it is support for the business. And if those two things don't work, then, then we need to direct them elsewhere. I, I can't disagree with a word that you said. Jim, do you want to talk a little bit about the business being the business? I mean, that almost sounds like a um, um, an entry to talk about maybe entrepreneurs not seeing the forest from the trees or not necessarily being goal-oriented properly. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I think that a lot of times uh, people come up with phenomenal ideas and they really don't understand what they have in, in their possession and how to optimize their opportunities. And I think, again, that that, that shouldn't be that way. It, it needs to be done in a way that can be creative. And again, I go back to this whole idea of the playbook. Um, I can give you an example of what Will. Will and I uh, worked together on a company out of South Dakota. And we took the steps to make this company have an advantage in the marketplace. I remember many times from a business side, Will saying to me, Jim, don't let those guys start advertising that stuff, let them start talking about that stuff because this could be stolen in a heartbeat. It's that simple. And and that is the business side for people like me who are not in the IP world per se to make sure that that's one of my tools that I know how to apply it correctly and I know how to build the business around that for the people that I need to protect that asset. And although we can't report that Alice asset on the balance sheet, it's become patents have always been, become a problem for the accounting profession. We know that that asset is the difference in the marketplace. We just need to make sure the business can build around that asset. Barry, what kind of management problems do you see a lot of small businesses having, especially as they begin to grow and, and sell product and maybe hit that point where they're successful, but not as successful as they want to be and they need to push forward? Well, I think there's a certain basic structure of every company, like P&Ls, balance sheets, efficiencies, 
qualified people, projections of what they're going to do down the road, which they prepare, they don't prepare, and it just gets out of hand. And the company goes down because they're not a taking a business, running a business. You have a business to make money. It's not a hobby. To some people it is, but to most of the small companies, they got to do certain things to do. And one of the things that we do at the Nessa Group is we can help them and guide them so that they can be successful and that's very, very important. And they have to have a, uh, a team that talks to each other. What's, what's, that, what's that trite Mark Cuban phrase? You need to be an entrepreneur, not a wantrepreneur. I, <laughs> it, it's trite. I hate it, but it's actually but true. It even though I, even though, yes, even though I detest it, it does, could, could it I does add, work. Uh, one comment that I want to add before? Of course. Um, I think Barry just touched on it. I think it's important that and I keep seeing it all the time in, in, in our business. When I talk to an entrepreneur and we sit and they say, Jim, I've gone through $400,000. And I'm sitting there saying, $400,000. If someone gave me that, what are the steps that I would take to make that business successful? And I can't quite put my finger on where that $400,000 went because they're not showing me a marketing plan. They're not showing me an understanding that they've done something with their intellectual property. And I'm saying to them, what is it that you think you're doing to go through that kind of money? And that, again, is what the Nestle Group hangs its flag on, that we want your money to work efficiently for the startup of your company and the, and, and the success, as well as the ongoing concern concept. Mm -hmm. You can't just throw money away without having some kind of guidance. Mm -hmm. you, you know, Justin, uh, one of the things you and I have talked about in the past is lack of industry experience. Mm -hmm. Is is a lot of are a lot of these problems related to that lack of industry experience, or is it maybe a lack of entrepreneurship experience? It, it's definitely a combination. Um, you know, whenever you you start off under your own path as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, and I always joke that you'll be successful, um, but it's a race against, as I mentioned before, time and money. And there's no better way to best utilize the budget available and to do so in a quick fashion than with people who've done it in the past, uh, whether they're on your team or they're an advisory board. Um, I will say if you're entering a market that you have little subject domain expertise, you should surround yourself with a team or an advisory board who have lived and breathed that industry. They'll have insights that you can't get from just reading reports and they'll have connections that could take you months to years to foster. Um, and I think when we look at our main purpose as a Nessa Group, it's to increase the overall value of a company. Uh, and when we say value, that's multifaceted. It's, it's obviously increasing the revenue production, um, but it's also decreasing risk. Uh, and it's doing so under a very strict plan with milestones or KPIs. And that's what we really see as a difference between a hobby and a business. And we've all seen plenty of hobbies that could be making hundreds, if not a million or two dollars a year as a hobby. Uh, and just imagine if they had the right planning and team and scalable resources around them, what, what their uh, business potential could be. And that's kind of how we look at a business and how we look to collaborate with those founders or, or uh, CEOs of companies. 
we had a we had a TLA alert, and a TLA, of course, is a three letter acronym. So <laughs> I think KPI was the TLA that you said. So please define that. Key performance indicators. So what are key performance indicators? Those are the metrics that you place behind your business that would validate a certain milestone of success, whether that's uh, user acquisition, uh, certain cost to customer acquisition numbers. Um, Anything that you feel is a, as the acronym states, a key performance indicator of your business. And those should be planned out. And especially for startups going to market, pre-revenue startups or just post-funded startups, you need to understand how you're using that money. An investor is gonna wanna understand exactly what my return is gonna be. And part of the way you show that return is through the KPIs that you surrounded your business on. Yeah, what I would call claim elements, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, so, so, so let's yeah. get into that because I was going to come right to you anyway. Yeah. So you said the business is the business. The, mm -hmm. Your intellectual property is not the business because you still actually have to implement it. Mm -hmm. So um, if, your business, if your business is the business and not the IP, what, what does an entrepreneur need to know about the importance of intellectual property? Well, you, you, you have to understand, first of all, where you stand within the landscape of your potential competitors or your current uh, competitors. Let's just use the case of, uh, uh, you know, clothing. Because uh, we're going to get into that oh, soon. Gonna, <laughs> in, in this mini series, we're getting into clothing. Yeah, we're sure. going to get into clothing anyway, and then we'll talk about some other things. But uh, it, let's. I want to introduce new performance clothing. Uh, and so, you know, you, is the you, fabric new? The fabric may may be new. The fabric may not be new. The weave of the fabric may be something that's not obvious. You know, you, you what you start with is what is it that I'm trying to accomplish for the customers that I potentially see? If these are outdoor people, they like to ski, they can't get wet, they got to stay warm, but they don't want to be constricted. So all of these KPIs mm -hmm. in terms of claim elements that I'm looking at, you know, kind of go into this equation and then you start to understand, well, what does this fabric need to look like? Uh, and then you do a search to see whether or not that fabric exists already in one form or another, or if it's something that you're going to create. And as soon as you say you're going to create something, then there's the potential for protecting it using some sort of intellectual property, be it a mm -hmm. trade secret or a patent, if it, you know, if it's uh, if that's warranted. Mm -hmm. Once you understand that. Uh, uh, that that's something that is protectable, something you may need for your business, then you, you go about the business of generating that security. And they're not called securities, you know. Uh, the way the SEC would, would come yeah, out. Well, yeah, yes. the way they would call it a security. <laughs> but it certainly is something that secures your idea. So, you know, I always say, you know, you want to make sure you have those elements known. Go ahead, Justin. If I could follow up on that, Will, we, we're spending a lot of time talking about um, intellectual properties, whether mm -hmm. they're patents or trademarks or copyrights. Mm -hmm. um, and some of you listening might not feel that's relevant either to your business as a whole or, or just to your immediate needs right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we obviously love IP because it is an asset to the business in some capacity. For intellectual property or, or, or patents, uh, it shows that you are unique uh, in the market that you're trying to compete within, and that's defendable, and that in turn has a value to your business. Absolutely correct. Um, mm -hmm. But what I love about intellectual property and patents, 
in particular is it gives you a couple of different monetization opportunities, which is how are you going to make money and how are you going to go to market? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think I need to build a big brand and get customers to have a business. And that's not always true. If you have a unique technology that has a patent behind it, you can actually license that technology out. And that gives you some options and how you go to market. And the cost of doing so, building a brand and a business versus licensing technology are incredibly different. And I would also challenge a lot of founders to think about what type of lifestyle do you want to live when you're running this business? Mm -hmm. Building a brand, something that you might get investment money, could be a job. And let me tell you, that might be an 80 hour a week job. And it's a much different story if you're licensing technology, which we like to kid about could sometimes be just mailbox money. A check right. being delivered. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, well, I think one of the shark, no, it was, um, it was the comedian who used to use, uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy always talked about mailbox money when he was on Shark Tank uh, yeah. all those years ago. Um, you know, the IP lawyer agrees with every single word that, that, that you just said. And um, just, just to tell you a short story, I was at, I believe, it was, I forget which event it was up in Connecticut. Was it the, the Tech Expo or whatever it's called? I forget. And somebody came up to me and my wife and we're, you know, the three of us were talking. And when I said, I, I'm, I'm an IP lawyer, he then says, oh, well, I have a patent. I said, oh, great. He goes, no, no. I, I, I picked up the phone, I called the patent and trademark office, I spoke to an attorney there, I told him what my, my patent does, and you know, eventually I got a patent. But it's written so narrowly that I'm not able to enforce it as well. Mm -hmm. So just to balance what you said a little, Justin, mm -hmm. is that the importance of, of having a patent is there, but the importance of having the right patent because this particular patent does actually do everything that you said, but it's totally not protectable. And I think that goes right back to um, your patent or your technology is not your business um, in any capacity. You need a business model around, and, I, and I'm working with two clients right now who have spent uh, a hefty price in building their technology without a real understanding of what the product is, whether that's a B2B or business-to-business -business product or consumer-facing product. Uh, they're not far away, but that was something I would challenge them to consider, both in terms of what is their product that their technology can be infused within and what is their market positioning, how they're competing in the market, prior to spending uh, you know, the pretty penny that they have so far. Yeah. As we're having this discussion, I'll just kind of add that, and you're right, Justin, the, it is, the patent is not the business, because the, one of the things I always try to inject is... A patent is not a right to do something. And that's and that's a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs or, or folks with great ideas kind of bring to the table. They go, wow, I got something here that, you know, that I can patent. And I go, yeah, I might be able to get you a patent, but a patent doesn't give you a right to do something. It just gives you a right to restrict somebody else from copying or doing that. So does that give you what you need to get into the business? And Chances are the answer in a lot of cases is no. And you're exactly right. Not every good idea, and it could be a great idea, even mm -hmm. one that can get a patent behind it, can be turned into a business. And there's so many reasons why that must be taken into account. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the first ones is, is the market big enough? Is, mm -hmm. is, is the demand big enough to warrant the investment necessary to make some money? Mm -hmm. Um, or is the solution I found really more personal to myself, which sometimes it is. Um, but you, 
lost my train of thought. Well, that that that's okay because yeah. I think I think I'm, I'm going to jump in with this particular train of thought, which is whenever somebody calls mm. calls my office and I know Will's office as well, asking about intellectual property protection, one of the questions that we have is, "What's your business plan?" Mm-hmm. So. That's important to everything that you guys mm-hmm. just said, Jim mm-hmm. and Barry. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this for a second. What are some key elements of business plans that you want to help entrepreneurs and start startups and, and small businesses refine? Uh, I, I believe that entrepreneurs, in many cases, and I and I'm loving what I'm hearing in this conversation, don't really do their homework when it comes to creating a business plan. What I'm saying by Touché. that is there mm-hmm. is pieces within that business plan that even before you get to the executive summary, you really have to understand how your product is going to land in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So there's some key elements there. Do you know what your competition is? Do you know the power of your business? Now, I'm going to talk again to this thing that Will and I just experienced. I think it's a good example. I'm not going to get into the details, but this is a product that couldn't be more simpler if they tried. But yet, we found out right away in the owners that this market is huge, and productive, and it's not going to go away. It just can't go away. That's the that's type of market. So in the business plan, we made mention of that. But I think uh, that you need to do your homework. You need to be able to understand what you think you have and how you're going to get it out there and how you're going to make money from it. And I think a lot of times people don't do what we're doing right now. I think what's happening here right now, you have five people with different uh, academic and intellectual backgrounds who are participating in a conversation to make something stronger. The business plan has to have that impact. If it doesn't, it's a failure. And I think when you say doing their homework, it's not that they're not working hard Correct. or putting the right effort in. Um, it's that they're working efficiently and effectively. And I know at the earlier part of my career, when I first went off on my own, I thought I was working very hard, but I wasn't working smartly. Um, now, that's in no way to say that we have, you know, we have the test in hand with all the answers prepared for you. We don't. But what we do have is a pretty good understanding of what the questions are. And together with anyone we work with, we can find the answers. Um, and, and this, just as a whole, your head is probably spinning right now. I know mine is, which is why, <laughs> which, which is why I lost my train of thought before. But, but that, that is working in the small business and entrepreneurial community. There's a lot to consider, uh, a lot to consider at any one time. And as you could tell just from this podcast, we debate each other sometimes. Uh, and you're kind of sitting in on what a meeting between the five of us would look like with the client when we best try to understand what their business is, what their challenges is, and what could be a potential path forward. But that is the growth of the business. See, uh-huh. you know, it only took me, uh, my gosh, uh, well, you know, our radio audience can't uh, see me, but, you know, <laughs> but, but 45, 50 years to get to the point that it wasn't something that I was going to necessarily read in the book. In the book, I got the skill sets. In the book, I learned how to do math. I learned how to read. I learned, you know, I learned how to, you know, how to analyze. But what the book doesn't give you is the value of the experience and the value of having made the mistakes and the value of having bounced your ideas off of people just like us sitting around this table. So in all you the know, different sectors. And you don't know what you don't know. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I think so, at the beginning yeah. of this conversation, well, I think you, you, you really started well when you said the patent is not the business mm-hmm. because I think people 
uh, even when I started looking at intellectual property, you and I go back a long time in that area. I looked at it. I have that. I'm the powerhouse. Well, I'm not the powerhouse. I I have something that could help me, Mm -hmm. but I got to understand how I use it as a tool. Mm -hmm. And I think people just... Sometimes entrepreneurs don't get that. Thing. You remember Kevin Rivette? I remember Rembrandt's in the attic. Yeah, that was a great book. But if anybody hasn't read it, you should really pick it up. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Rivette was a, a, an attorney, an IP attorney, who said that if most stockholders found out what CEOs were stockpiling in the basement when it came to patents, they'd be fired instantly because they haven't built businesses around them. Mm-hmm. Unlike the 3M model, which they were smart enough to do that. Mm-hmm. All right, so one last thought before we uh, move on to uh, the end of this episode. Uh, Barry, when you are looking at the hierarchical structure of a of a small business, I mean, a lot of small businesses, of course, are just the owners and maybe an employer too. But how are you looking at, at the need to add managers as revenue comes in or as work gets more complex for that business? I really think that people that come up with the Eureka, one person comes up with it, and said, I've got it. What they have to do, and they don't like to do because they have pride that they thought of this in the first place. And the big problem is to say, you're still at the beginning side. What kind of business are you thinking about? You don't have to go and spend lots of money to find out how you can get there, but is it the right money for the right reason that will help the business grow. But sometimes the, the the business owner does have to let go. I had a client years ago who, who if you wanted to put together that, that organizational chart, her name would have been on, on in everything. And at some point it, it, it can't because it's not the expertise. It's not like, when, when do you start adding people in there? I think you sit down and you have, a, you have to prepare something on a piece of paper laying out what your thought is and what you're going to do. And then you have to have people come in, other members of the organization or somebody outside the organization, and have what we're doing today. We're we're trying to look at all sides because that will help us, I believe, to get a better conclusion. Mm -hmm. If I might just add something to that. I, I think that the analogy we started with this whole thing about is, is business the ultimate team sport? I think when you're looking at an organization, you have the inventor, the person who says, this is my baby, uh, I can't let you beat up my baby kind of stuff. I think the important thing is that this whole idea of drafting the right team. If you play a sport and you know you have a weakness, my God, look for the strength of that weakness. They're out there. There's a lot of talent out there that could help you. What makes, I think, what we're trying to do in this conversation is that we already have that team. Go out and vet us, find out about who we are. But we're gonna bring that team and we're gonna have this conversation that we're doing right now in front of a client. We want the client to know, oh my God, I didn't realize that. That's a, a big hole in my in my playbook. Well, we're here to fill it for you, hopefully fill it for you. So I, I think the looking for, uh, looking for management is an ongoing thing. Don't carry the load too long because you will not succeed on your own. It's it just mm-hmm. there's too many there's too many principles in the in the theory of business. There's too many smart guys in history who understood marketing, who understood management, who understood finance, accounting. These guys develop theories, and those theories can only help if you try to execute them correctly. 
Go ahead, Justin. And that just goes back to something I said before, which is time matters, especially if you're trying to run a technology business. The rate of technology advancement is astronomical right now. Um, you don't have a year, two, three years to try to go to market and validate your technology. That needs to be done in a very condensed period of time. And building the right team that has a shared vision, which is always very important, and you notice a lot of times in a startup, there might not be a shared vision. And unfortunately, a lot of times in startups, I find that founders are also founders in multiple businesses at one time. So their attentions are kind of diversified. Uh, and that could lend to a lack of shared vision, to say the least. Um, Not diluted. <laughs> diversified and diluted. And diluted. I, I stand corrected. But e even as, even as uh, a group of individuals mm -hmm. that work with founders and small businesses, we in turn look for the team that we get to collaborate with. Earlier on in my career, I looked at any large market opportunity or any cool solution, thought I could make that successful. And what I've learned over the course of my career is that's wrong. I was wrong. It really comes down to the team that you're privileged to work with. Um, and the founder needs to know that and needs to understand that and can't wear all 18 hats forever. They need to be willing to either make the right hires if they have the capital or invite the right co-founders in to help them accelerate their path to market. And, and I think that following your point, there's a lot of good specialist consultants out there all the time. There's a specialist in marketing. There's a special in IP. What we're talking about here is getting all those specialists in the same room at the same time with our client. Because now what you've created is a management team that comes from those different disciplines who are talking to each other. What a clever concept. That's where I think the Nesta Group excels in. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Episode one of our special podcast miniseries is finished. And our next episode, we're going to be talking, expounding a little bit more about new ideas and business plans. So we look forward to having everyone listening, continuing to do. I'm Anthony Verna. Thank you very much. And Jim, before we go, how did people get in contact with the Nessa Group? Oh, it's easy. You can find us at www.thenessagroup.com. Uh, you'll see our site. Uh, look at LinkedIn, and we're in LinkedIn also. You can find us. You look for us, we can find us. And if not, just holler out and we'll find you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jim. <laughs>